Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Importantly, the investigation concluded that the personnel involved did not know they were striking a medical facility. The intended target was an insurgent-controlled site, which was approximately 400 meters from the Doctors Without Borders Trauma Center. The investigation found that an AC-130 gunship aircrew in support of a U.S. Special Forces element that was supporting an Afghan partner ground force misidentified and struck the Doctors Without Borders Trauma Center. The investigation determined that all members of both the ground force and the AC-130 aircrew were unaware that the aircraft was firing on a medical facility throughout the engagement. The investigation ultimately concluded that this tragic incident was caused by a combination of human errors compounded by process and equipment. Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and with me today is, uh, I don't know, uh, Thursdays are for the podcast boys. No, that's it's bad. I got Francis in shocks again, because <laughs> li- like myself, uh, they're they're slopping things in the podcast minds in the content pit there's nothing else to do i'm i'm looking forward to covid being over because now all of the politicians are doing podcasts like when jason kander did it i was like all right man you're kind of horning in on my thing but you're like a local politician so that's fine but now like mayor pete's got one and all these other people like the obamas have a podcast and all it is is everybody's just bored and it's like look i was already an incel shut in <laughs> god damn it this is this is what this is for for us to scream for for middle class white men to scream their opinions in the microphones and put it on the internet that's for us i'll have you know some of us are lower class god damn it <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm actually really looking forward to like developing a rivalry with uh, Mayor Pete's like CIA like Navy shitbag. I think that's podcast. what it's called. You know, like because I think like I think like the rivalry between uh, Pod Save America and uh, you know Trapo has like been really good for them. So I'm like I'm looking forward to like you know having like this uh, you know like you know uh, the the problems are <laughs> the the problems are bad, but the causes are very very good. Uh, centrist military podcast to be able to like kind of. Just you know, uh, butt up against. I think it'll be. I think it'll be really good. I think. I think this is a growth opportunity, and I think that we need to, uh, you know, you know, embrace it and fix bed you know, prices. Speaking you know, like a little of, bit of McKinsey and the CIA <laughs> and uh, unreported <laughs> war crimes, uh, we're talking about the Kunduz airstrike today. Uh, are you Are y'all familiar with that? Are, uh, have you ever heard of this before? I don't know what. Kunduz is where is so it? It's a city in northern Afghanistan. Uh, I've never been to the city, okay. but uh, you know, we, I, I've dabbled in Afghanistan. So, Nor- northern Afghanistan <laughs> was all Brits. So that's all I remember. Yeah, Kunduz is is a city with a hell of a. It's, it's like it, it's one of the cities, kind of like Mazar Sharif, that has a hell of a history when it comes to the Taliban and various different governments and imperial powers that have floated through Afghanistan through the day. What's up, USSR? Um, Whomst amongst yeah, us? Yeah, 
Yeah, who who has never so, been there? Well, so and, and like here's like a a brief thing. So you guys know where the Brits were stationed in Afghanistan, obviously. Was there any like ironic placement of like the British, like, you know, like did it was there any like like oh, you know, like you were there like during the, you know, the uh the great game. So uh I don't know, we're gonna put your ass there again. Haha, no, motherfucker. Uh the for for that, no, I didn't uh, give them any shit because in two thousand four I had no idea about I didn't know any history of Afghanistan really. Um but I have to say, the British soldiers were my favorite because they had booze and they always shared. Uh, their dining halls were not necessarily better, but different. But also, there were some. Yeah. There were God. There was this like British squad that I met. I met them because they were all hanging out, smoking cigarettes outside of their outside of one of their bee huts. They were blasting D twelve, <laughs> and. <laughs> And when I rolled up on, they're all having they're all having beers, and they all speak with Irish accents. And I was like, "What the fuck is happening here?" And they said that they had done like two year a two year rotation in Belfast. And when Brits come out of uh, doing that, apparently some of the soldiers come back with British with Irish accents. So they're like because they just switch back and forth. So they hadn't put their British accents back on, and they were listening to like you know mid aughts uh, gangster rap. And having a beer, and I loved them. They're the best people in the world. Have you ever have you ever listened to Northern Irish yes, like I rap have. at any point? <laughs> I only listen. I it's the weirdest. I only listen shit. to the IRA and the punk stuff. I and I have learned like I I guess like it just never occurred to me that there would be Irish rap. So uh, I'm excited to get into it. Both normal Irish rap and Northern Irish. My rap. Kind of normal. my favorite regular uh, Ireland. My favorite member of D12 growing up in Detroit <laughs> was a little Seamus. So you know this is all rounding out great. <laughs> uh, in case anybody didn't get my very niche uh, fucking Detroit rap music scene joke, that's not a real person. Um, so. They don't. They did. They also said they really liked Nelly, and they were impressed that I was from St. Louis and knew all the places that Nelly was talking about. That just brought him down a peg. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Nelly was big in two thousand four. Fuck that's off. True. That's true. Give St. Louis this yeah, one fair. thing. This one thing. Yeah. Well, he was he was still popular, but yeah. Go. It, okay. Sorry. It's go weird ahead. that Nelly is still a thing, but um. Uh, so to to talk about the Kunda's hospital airstrike. I have to talk about Doctors Without Borders first. Are you familiar with Doctors Without Borders? Yeah, doctors yeah. that go and help people in other countries. Yeah, it's 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 an organization, or or yes. the United States, uh, and it's not their year. first time pretty in the sure. U.S. either. But they've pretty much just been everywhere. Um, now they're known as MSF. Uh, it's their French abbreviation, which I will not try to pronounce because I have been dunked on hard enough yeah. about that. Um, and, you know, almost every, like, international organization has, like, some horrible skeletons in its closet at some point. Or, like, actually, this NGO traffics children, like a lot of them end up doing. Um, but, but like, MSF is legitimately one um, of the... Yeah, one weird it's, trick. It's just market disruption. Um, <laughs> now, like, MSF is legitimately one of the only good organizations in the world, in my opinion. And it pains me to say that because I know someone is going to be like, actually, Joe, and they're going to link this thing that like, actually, MSF is harvesting adrenochrome or something like, (laughs) but you know what, please, if you could prove me wrong, do it. I couldn't file it. I was like, you know, I'm going to Google deep enough and I'm going to find like, I don't know, like 
trafficking is always really big or like systemic racism where they don't use drugs that they should. I couldn't find anything. So I stand by that until proven otherwise, if they're a good organization. They're the best organization that we've ever talked about on this show. And that's why they now have to be killed with an airstrike. Um. <laughs> That yeah, kind of some foreshadowing, yeah. there, Joe. Uh, it is called the like, Kunduz airstrike. Give away the game yeah. on that one. It, really, the question is: who, Well, I mean, we knew a hospital is getting airstrike, but who is inside? And we discover it's not just you know sick kids. It's also like the one maybe good uh, NGO out there. That's actually how you know that they're actually squeaky clean. Is that uh, you know the United States decided to airstrike them? <laughs> you know, it's like a bunch of nuns in Guatemala. You know, like we gotta. You know, we, we yeah, know how I mean, to that, that's why ISIS also never did anything wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> you do, you have do to not, in fact, them. have to hand it to ISIS. <laughs> um, so MSF has an interesting history into itself. They started in the 1970s after the Biafra succession, not the Jello variety uh, in Africa. Yeah. The one, yeah, that, the one yeah. that Jello's named after. <laughs> I, I gave Shocks a punk joke. That's the only one I can think of because I actually know who Jello Biafra is. Um, I, actually, I actually saw him live once on accident. Yeah, I went to a, a, a right. Melvin show in Detroit, uh, which is a really weird early grunge band. Um, oh, yeah, the Melvin's, yeah, they're fucking the Melvin's great. got a rule. Um, and like Jello Biafra yeah. was there for reasons I am still not sure of. I think I was 11 or 12, and I was there with my uncle, and he was beside himself with how excited he was. And I just did not understand why. <laughs> I, just, I, I had no fucking <laughs> idea who this guy was. But yeah, uh, so the, the Nigerian province of Biafra broke away from the country proper, leading to a war. Um, and Nigeria did just a whole lot of ethnic cleansing and genocide uh, through starvation and just outright murder against the Biafran people. And uh, that's when a group of French doctors joined up with the Red Cross to try to alleviate some of the suffering of the Biafrans, uh, mostly because the French were the only people who uh, would give aid directly to the Biafrans. Uh, unfortunately, what happened is they saw the Red Cross was complicit in handing over supplies to the Nigerian government, which the Nigerian government then withheld, uh, leading to further suffering and uh, a horrible starvation and famine. Uh, so they re- isn't that literally everything that that always happens that like always happens it happens you give, a lot you give the aid to, you give the aid directly to the warlord and then you're just like why did the warlord do that yeah it was literally the reason for Operation Gothic Serpent <laughs> in Somalia uh, it's like weird we're dealing with some of the worst people on earth how could they do this to us <laughs> and like I, I'm not against not giving aid because even like. If a little bit of it gets to where it needs to go, then in the end, it's worth it. But at the same time, like, and Doctors Without Borders is 100% right that in situations like, you know, the Biafran genocide, and uh, they talk about Rwanda, that like aid isn't going to stop this. Um, but like, and, you know, they get yeah. some shit for that, but well, like, at least they're honest. Uh, but these doctors who were in Biafra realized like the Red Cross kind of sucks and we need our own completely neutral organization. And that's when MSF was formed. Uh, it was formed by doctors, nurses, and a whole bunch of other people, though not paramedics, because I tried to get a job with them once. Um, and they would go anywhere in the world, uh, <laughs> like mostly wars, pandemics, epidemics, pretty much everything, and do generally good service to people in need. Uh, but more importantly, they would not turn down literally anyone uh, any gender, any race, any religion, and any political belief could get 
help through them, which was depressingly revolutionary um, and, and still kind of is. Um, like the, the Red Cross is good. Yeah. I donate to the Red Cross. I've recently donated to the Red Cross in Armenia, um, but they have baggage. Uh, so like MSF was trying to exist without that baggage. Um, if it, it boiled down to their belief is you show up to an MSF facility anywhere in the world and you're sick or dying or wounded, or whatever, they will treat you no matter who you are, free of charge to the best of their ability. Which I mean, you know, in fairness, is uh, better than the American medical system. That's right. So I mean, yeah. they got that going I mean, for them. in comparison uh, to some of their hospitals and like some of the worst places on earth, at least you won't have to pay for it. Um, now, uh, after their formation, it was rare to find them. Pretty much, if there's a conflict or a health crisis in the world, you would find them there. Uh, from earthquakes, hurricanes to wars. Uh, for example, when the U.S. withdrew from Vietnam. They did very little to help the vulnerable populations in their wake, uh, them being like Chinese, Cambodians, and Montagnards. Um, but one of the biggest problems at the time was Cambodians fleeing the Khmer Rouge into Vietnam. Uh, the MSF almost single-handedly set up a series of refugee camps in Thailand for them as they ran. Uh, only later on did the U.S. attempt to help them, which is why a lot of people believe that the Khmer Rouge was propped up by the CIA, because the CIA tried to infiltrate uh, MSF facilities, and MSF actually found them out out of them and kicked them out. Uh, so, cool. No, notably different than, uh, didn't, um, where was it that the CIA got caught, like, literally running under the cover Pakistan. of the Red Cross like a few years yeah. ago. Yeah, that's how they found Osama bin Laden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's why <laughs> that's why they can't uh, ever get back in there and do polio vaccinations because Al-Qaeda's like, you, you're a front. Right. We just have to assume you're a front for the CIA. Yeah, the, the they used a fake, well, fake and real polio vaccinations in the Abbottabad region to track down uh, genetic material that could trace back to Osama bin Laden. Um, and it's not just Al Qaeda, like the Pakistani government does not want them back in. Um, and the doctor who was taking part in it had no idea that he was working for the CIA. Oh. And now he's oh, no. almost certainly going to die in prison. So Whoops. USA, USA. Was that, the, that was the plot of, uh, was it Fuck Spy Game 2, wasn't it? Probably. <laughs> it's like, it's that Robert Redford, uh, Brad Pitt movie. Where like Robert Redford plays like a, a spy master for the CIA, and uh, what one of the part one of one of the various different plot devices is Brad Pitt trying to sneak into a Chinese prison and I think giving out fake vaccines. So like clearly like not only is it like you know fairly readily like practiced, but it's also like acknowledged at the level that it you know made its or way they up watched to Hollywood. The movie then came up with the idea because spooks are fucking <laughs> dumb and unoriginal. Uh, yeah, and like one of the problems was is uh, like. Eventually, the Khmer Rouge fell. Eventually, uh, it was through the invasion of the the Vietnamese government, you know, unified Vietnam uh, after they beat us government, and which will eventually be a series unto itself. I'm currently working on, but the problem was, yeah, you're going to do a Vietnam War overview. Uh, eventually, when I finally want to fucking retire and do a seventy part series, yeah. I was going to say, how long do you think COVID's going on? Uh, forever. Uh, if you live in Hawaii. <laughs> and uh, so one of the problems is like when the Khmer Rouge fell, um, the, the, uh, the, the, the Cambodian state effectively ceased to exist. There's no infrastructure because it's purposely destroyed. Uh, people were starving to death. 
there was no medical care because that was also purposely destroying the Khmer Rouge forced people to like uh, use uh, like leaves and uh, traditional medicine, which does not work. Um, so it was an entire population of at-risk people. Wait, did, uh, yeah, did they, they try crystals? Tried to get their chakras realigned. They deployed thousands of chiropractors. Um, <laughs> what about uh, what about essential oils? Did know, they, they tried try to rub essential, essential oils? oils on S21, and people just kept being dead. Yeah, it's wild. Oh, weird uh, how that works. And like oh, Vietnam was like, yes, please come in and help us. We cannot possibly take care of all these people because we just fought a fucking war for 17 years. Uh, so MSF went into Cambodia and they were like one of the first and only uh, international organizations to help Cambodian people because they were being ignored by the international community for the crime of being liberated by communists. How dare they? Um yeah, they also got involved in the Lebanese old. Civil War running clinics, which if you've ever studied the sides of the Lebanese Civil War, it's like staring into a chaos room it's to like try to playing understand a game it. Of risk, All of the factions like, eventually technicals. betrayed one another at various points. Um, yeah. And it, this thing... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or being a leftist <laughs> on the internet. Uh, or being a leftist in Lebanon in uh, the 70s. But yeah. Um, <laughs> and like they had to try to keep track of all the sides and MSF also got shot at from time to time. And in, in countries like Sudan and now South Sudan and Liberia, MSF is actually the most stable health system in the entire country um, to this day. Uh, they were the only people who treated the survivors of the El Anfal genocide in Iraq when we helped Saddam gas the Kurds. We talked about that more in our Iran-Iraq series. Um, and they were the only people on the ground helping, uh, like the, during the Bosnian Rwandan genocides, when the rest of the world kind of turned a blind eye. Uh, like they're even in Srebrenica uh, when uh, like European powers abandoned them. And it was uh, it was Rwanda that finally broke their brains a little bit when they said aid alone would not save people, and the powers of the world need to use military mm. force to stop. Genocide. I mean, that's true. Their motto literally became "One cannot <laughs> stop a genocide with doctors," and. I largely agree with that. Jesus, yeah, dark as shit. Um, the problem is, is uh, imperial politicking is still a thing. Whenever governments attempt to get off their ass and do something, especially when it's former colonial properties like France and Rwanda, when they launched Operation Turquoise, um, I'm not going to go into it too much because that'll eventually be an episode or series into itself. But what they ended up doing was deploying solars that propped up a genocidal Hutu government in Rwanda. Uh, but you can't blame MSF for that because they saw it happening and openly spoke out against it during the time and then turned evidence against them in Rwanda when they investigated it. Um, so I, I'm explaining all this because this is the situation that they're in when they eventually uh, led them into the global war on terror and a hefty deployment into Afghanistan. Um, now, this is mostly our setting for this episode of Law and Order War Crimes Edition is Kunduz, <laughs> Afghanistan, um, in an MSF facility in Afghanistan, uh, which was known as the Kunduz Trauma Center. It was originally established in September of 2011. And uh, because of several decades of unbroken war and a series of incompetent warlords, governments, and illegal imperial occupation forces, it was the only functioning medical facility for the entire city of 300,000 people and the only trauma center for all of Northeast Afghanistan. Um, yeah, uh, this is 2011. So this is 10 years post-invasion. Um, now, things are actually worse now in 2020, and we'll get to the point of why. Um, 
I mean, that's also just kind of a general yes, statement fair. that you can make. I mean, it's like, you know, that's really not specific to like even like, you know, well, I mean, you already at that point, you already it's had kind of, 10 you know, years of saying yeah, like, now uh, in 2020 worse. things are worse. Guess what? It's not, <laughs> you know, better. not everything. It's fair. <laughs> I mean, how many corners have we turned since then? Violently Tokyo drifting in circles at this point. (laughs) We've been like, we've been, you know, like on the verge of killing the last 200 Taliban dudes for like the, uh, you know, the last 20 years of my life. I've been told told that uh, Trump beat ISIS. So, I mean, we've got that going for us, right? ISIS is gone, right? They're not around anymore, right? At this point, the Taliban's going to be monitoring our elections. Well, I think I saw like what today that, uh, they're uh, arranging a regime change in Afghanistan to just like actually just hand yeah, shit. Be, I, uh, I mean, that's eventually what's going to happen anyway. <laughs> yeah. there, there's there's nothing else we can do yeah. other than give the Taliban what <laughs> they want. I would like to see a change of command where just like ISAF handing the flag over to some Taliban guy. <laughs> It's like doesn't even hand it over. He just like holds it. Take up one of uh, Bin Laden's like fifty sons that are like weird, like the one that's like Greaser Bin Laden, and then like all of Bin Laden's kids are like weird and different. One of them's a Greaser, I think. So he wears all. It's got to be that weird Q guy from Europe. Oh, was that? that, She's it's a girl, but a a a weird Bin Laden Q person, which is impressive. The MAGA girl, you know? Yeah. Yeah, she's like in Switzerland or something. Because <laughs> Switzerland does not have a history of yeah, harboring right, yeah. problematic people with a lot of money. Um, so it, it, once MSF got to Kundos, they kind of hit the ground running. In the year 2014 alone, they cared for over 22,000 people and conducted 6,000 surgeries in just one hospital, despite having uh, fewer than 60 beds. Uh, and, and like the the important part is, these people would just die without medical care. And people would come from all over Afghanistan to get care at this hospital. Um, unfortunately for MSF, but more unfortunately for the Afghan people, Kunduz is one of several hotspots for conflict within the country. Case in anywhere, anyone listening is unaware, Afghanistan is a country that is incredibly factional. And there are some of these areas in Afghanistan where it's generally peaceful, while others had been locked in a near constant state of war. Like there's places in Afghanistan that, you wouldn't even know that there's an insurgency going on. Um, Shit, man. In 2004, it was not just us against the Taliban. It was like warlords still fighting warlords in 2004. That that was so. So not only are some of these places like really like when when Joseph's factional in, in a lot of ways, sometimes there would just be like old Soviet tanks that were held together going at it. And like we, we had nothing. It's just like fucking I can't do anything about that. They gotta be. They gotta fight that one out. Yeah, and I mean, Kunduz is. It has a bad reputation for that already. Like even when the Soviets were there, um, like various Afghan generals would just randomly turn against the government, um, join the Mujahideen and stuff like that. Um, it, like it's it's a very thoroughly bombed out place, and it doesn't have a lot of infrastructure or ha- general happiness. Um, this put the MSF in a very very weird place. <laughs> at, as if a wounded person showed up, regardless of who they were, they'd be treated. And they would not alert the security forces if that person happened to be the Taliban. This led to an incident where uh, members of the Afghan military kicked open the doors of the hospital and held them at gunpoint while searching for a member of the Taliban that they had heard secondhand was there. He wasn't, and the soldiers finally left after, after assaulting a few doctors on the way out. This happened in 2015. And unfortunately, it would not be the worst thing that happened to the people of Kunduz or the staff of MSF in 2015. Um, 
Also, that's a war crime. Um, I feel like I should point that out. Um, that uh, we'll talk more <laughs> about not, what exactly. But that's not on us. That's not our war crime. So there's a point for oh. us. A war crime happened that the U.S. didn't do. Uh, it will be the only one we'll talk about during this podcast. Uh, but just remember, we'll talk- this is this is this is Pete Buttigieg winning uh, winning the first primary. This is one, and then downhill <laughs> from there. Victory. Just fucking declaring victory. Enjoy, enjoy. Francis it. says, actually, the war in Afghanistan <laughs> is good. Actually, um, and, and you know, we're gonna just for everyone like keeping track at home. You know, like yeah, mark that down in your you know mark that down in your scorecard. Like we have one bunt, uh, one war crime that's not our responsibility, and uh, you know now this we isn't go a uh, home the run as much as it's an RBI. Um, I'm not sure if there's a difference between the two. I don't watch baseball. Why? <laughs> Um, but we'll talk more about what exactly constitutes a war crime within a hospital, uh, because I, I, I really want to make a point of attempting some kind of research here. Um, but in, in September 2015, the Taliban launched a surprise assault on the city, and nobody's entirely sure how many fighters they had brought with them, as the Taliban have yet to provide me any primary sources. <laughs> and if I email them, I'm pretty sure I'll be mur- murdered via drone strike. Um, I'm pretty... Joe, Mujahideen at gmail.com. <laughs> I bet they still use Hotmail. Like, they're a little bit behind the time. Just like they're a fucking I do not AOL understand this pe- these people. <laughs> they keep sending me emails about making my dick bigger. Man, one, one, of the, one of the things that I have <laughs> hanging up in my office is an Osama bin Laden wanted poster that was printed out by the psyops guys that were there <laughs> and it's great because it's a poster and it's you know all in you know uh dari or Pashtun. i don't know which but it's it's like it's like one of those posters where it's like hey do you need a dog walker you know tear off the my phone number down at the bottom oh, that's awesome so it's all these things and it's got a do not fasten but <laughs> below this line but it has an email the email with tips about finding Osama bin Laden. And in 2000, <laughs> I, I think like maybe two or three years ago, I was looking at it and I was just like, I wonder what would happen if I emailed that. Uh, and I got a bounce back, unfortunately. Um, Send him a piggy poop balls in the email. <laughs> right. It was, but it's still open. It's still out there. So if you want to register CJTF 180 rewards at hotmail.com, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that might be open, and uh, and maybe you'll get some Osama bin Laden tips. Fuck, I need to I need to claim that for my podcast email now. <laughs> uh, I did have a guy slide into my DMs claiming to be affiliated with something like the Taliban, though probably in Waziristan, uh, and I could never get what? confirmation because he. Uh, God, you get the weird. I always thought that I would get fucking weird DM slides, but I've never been contacted by a member of the Taliban for. Like, but what did he want? He wanted to just talk. <laughs> <laughs> he read the hooligans of Canada, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted a fucking signed copy. He was, like, wondering if you could, like... Imagine getting prosecuted by, like, the fucking local, like, U.S. attorney for, like, aiding and supporting terrorism, but it's because you sent a copy of the oh hooligans God. of Kandahar to, like... Joe, some your book is going to show up in cash somewhere. You know that, right? Dude, I fucking hope like, so. some... Somewhere in like deep like Kyrgyzstan or something, there's gonna be a bunch of RPGs found and a dog-eared copy of Hooligans of Kandahar, <laughs> like written in acrylic of some kind. You know, it's 
And just like a lot of strong pornography. Of if like, you know, uh, Ben Laden's capture was yeah, like, you know, tradition. any guy. And what sucked is like, he's like, I can't seem to find any of your other books on any services we get here. Can you send them to me? And I was like, dude, I'm pretty sure it's illegal if I sent you anything. <laughs> he gave me, like, I'm not, I'm not sending material support to a terrorist organization, but it's one of my books. <laughs> he buys the book for me, but he's like, can you just like pre hollow it out and like I don't know like stick some Go like uh, seven CD in there? into the middle of it? You know, just you know, man, or or just <laughs> the imagine the amount of being owned when the CIA guy comes to you and it's just like, yeah, we read your book. There's nothing offensive there. Uh, don't don't worry, we <laughs> left a one star review on Amazon. <laughs> God damn it! The FBI interviewing you like to you know it's like a part of a counterterrorism investigation, but like, don't worry, we checked into you and uh, <laughs> we know you're no threat. Uh, uh, so like. <laughs> terrorist dms aside um like some some people say that it was between 500 and 1500 fighters it's probably more like 500 um and either way the afghan security forces both the army and the various branches of police because there's a ton of them which is how you can tell that the u.s set it up and um like they just completely withdrew from the city without much of a fight uh, despite outnumbering them by the thousands uh weird how that keeps happening to people that we train um and they quickly retreated to the Kunduz airport because that's where the U.S. was stationed and they could hide behind air support. Uh, and it, it took, uh, it would end up taking the Afghan government about like a week to get their shit together and retake the city. But during that week, Kunduz fell almost entirely under Taliban control. And you're probably thinking like, wow, this must really suck for the staff of MSF, all European people mostly, trapped within the city. Uh, or assume they're going to be executed or end up in some tragic video that you'd only be able to find the darkest corners of Reddit or whatever. Um, that did not happen. Uh, the MSF kept working uh, through the entire week of partial Taliban occupation with little to no problem from the Taliban. The only Taliban in the hospital were 20 or so wounded that fell under their care. The Taliban accepted the MSF request that no armed fighters stay in the hospital, and they left. Um, and also, they also had dozens of government soldiers and hundreds of civilians, and the Taliban accepted that anybody in the hospital was not to be fucked with. And there was still. And how's the Taliban got a better moral code than the rest of us? It's going to get worse. Some, <laughs> somehow, the Taliban at the end of this episode will end up being the good guys. I have no doubt. I have absolutely no doubt. Which, which is incredible because, like, they're fucking assholes and they're bastards and they're, you know, they've committed multiple war crimes, but, like, so have we. And, like, and at least the Taliban is like understanding what they have here. It's just like, oh shit, these guys will take care of our people. And I mean, they got better things to do than fuck with, uh, fuck with some hospital staff. So, like, you're going to take care of it? All right, good. Because we, I mean, this is, like you said, a city of 300,000 people. That's not easily held. So, And they knew what optics were. Like somehow the, the Taliban PAO was better than ours. Like, guys, 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 dude, don't fuck with the dude. hospital. Yeah. No, the, the, uh, yeah, stuff like that. We, we lost so many hearts and minds cause we were like coming in, like fuck up water supplies and electricity and then the Taliban or some other like local, you know, insurgency group would repair it. And then of course, it was like, Oh, people are afraid of the Taliban. It's like in some places they were real grateful that the Taliban showed up. It's like, you know, it, it's, it's like getting that New York protection money. Like the mobster comes by and you got to give him money. But like, when somebody starts fucking with you, the mobsters will come by and like fuck with that, fuck that guy up for you. So yeah, you know, we'll give a little take. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were talking about it like a few days ago about you know the 
the way that, you know, local populations must have viewed U.S. troops in a lot of these circumstances is not all that different from, like, anything we're seeing now with, uh, you know, militarized cops, like, you know, screaming at people in languages they barely understand. You know, like, even in a language you do understand, having someone, like, you know, run up to you, scream you, threaten to beat you and, like, point a gun at you is, like, really not, you know, going to win anyone's hearts and minds. And that's just in, you know, St. Louis or, you know, Boston or, you know, fucking Portland. Much less, you know, in a foreign country where you don't speak the name, and you don't understand what the fuck. Wouldn't it be great well, like, if, like, American people were like, "Wow, so this is what this feels like," and then stopped being so happy about imperialism? But that won't happen. Not all introspection leads to good things, unfortunately. Um, in fact, now we just need more cops. Like, <laughs> um, well, that's the uh, problem. America, America only sees violence as the way to solve things, as I'm sure we're about to be reminded of. That is unfortunately true. Um, so w- during the battle and fighting in, in Kunduz, around 1,000 civilians would be killed or wounded, mostly due to American airstrikes. Um, because in lieu of any competent military force, uh, that's pretty much just what we rely on. Now, d- uh, during this time, the MSF hospital was in constant contact with U.S. forces, mostly special forces stationed near- nearby at the airport. They kept telling them and reassuring them that everything in the hospital was fine. That fighting was going on around them, but none of the fighters had come to the hospital unless they were wounded, at which point, per MSF request, they would be unarmed. The same rule applied for government soldiers. The weapons had to be leave- left outside. Um, the, it was a 35,000-square-meter compound, was secure, and there was nothing to worry about. Um, now, at some point, the U.S. asked multiple times for the MSF hospital to confirm what their location was. So they did. They gave them exact GPS grid locations as well as a picture of the hospital, which was clearly marked on this on the the roof above that it was a hospital, which is what you're supposed to do. Um, and they sent this all via email. When the one the nice things about email is it's evidence, and there's plenty of it. Um, <laughs> now, Joe, we know evidence doesn't fucking matter, but go on. Yeah, you, you you're right. Now, one of these people that the MSF was in contact with was the unfortunately named Carter Malkesian. Yep. Bad, bastard-ass Armenians are also in the U.S. government. Uh, we did it, guys. We assimilated. Now, um, uh, Malkesian was the advisor to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and they, they were speaking to him via email, confirming their location and telling him multiple times that the hospital had not, in fact, been taken over by the Taliban which was a rumor that was going on on the ground. But they kept saying, like, no, there's, there's no Taliban in here. Uh, but Unless they're shot. Yeah. And the, the hospital director, who was based out of an office in Kabul, had remained in contact with members of the Taliban at the same time, constantly telling them they were just doctors, and regardless of what was going on in the city or who was in control of the city, they're just going to keep on doing doctor stuff. And the Taliban was perfectly happy with that. They requested they stay within their compound and did not leave it, and they agreed. Um, the director was not done, however. He knew that his hospital was in a shitty spot and should contact as many people as possible just to make sure everybody in the hospital stayed safe, and everybody who was pulling triggers and dropping bombs knew exactly where and what the hospital was. So he did. Just to underline this, I'm going to list all the people he emailed. I know this because he saved the emails. The U.S. did not. So the Afghan National Security Council, the Ministry of Defense, the Ministry of the Interior, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Ministry of Public Health, the U.S. Embassy, U.S. Aid, the U.N. Office of the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, which was in charge of the agency's body when responding to complex emergencies. Um, the U.N. then forwarded this email to Colonel, uh, to Colonel Paul Surratt, the deputy commander of NATO's 
mission in the north, as well as Major General Abdul Hamid, the head of the 209th Corps of the Afghan National Army, which was responsible for the north of Afghanistan. Figuring he did everything that he could, he uh, went back to doing his job in Kabul, figuring he did enough to secure the safety of his hospital. By October 2nd, the city had fallen silent. Hospital staff noted that it was very strange, and the area seemed to not be in the middle of a war. Uh, They could hear fighting in the distance, but it sounded like it was outside the city. Friday was uncharacteristically normal. No fighting nearby, no gunshots, no explosions. Quote, I remember seeing a child fly a kite, recalled Dr. Kathleen Thomas, and I thought to myself, today is very strangely calm. Uh, The same went... Sorry, go ahead. And... and just so we're clear, what around what like this is exactly the of what time the, is of this? The day. Um, well, no, I mean like summer. of the year. Yeah. All right, you know, because you were saying like a particular week, so I was just trying to get an idea of like, you know, I know what you said in 2011. I was just trying to get so this kind of exactly paint a word picture. There. This would be considered solidly in fighting season <laughs> uh, territory uh, to yeah, to go by Afghan war terminology. Right. <laughs> that's that's shooting time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that same night, the MSF uh, was. Notice that it was still very calm. Uh, the staff had a tendency to sleep in the basement of the hospital because it was, they didn't have air conditioning and the basement was much cooler. It was also safe in case they got hit with an air, airstrike or whatever. Um, and though a night shift remained awake, uh, caring for the around 105 patients that were still in the hospital, mostly laying on the floor because they only had 60 beds, as well as prepping the emergency room and emergency operating uh, room for uh, wounded if they got rushed in, which normally happened at night. Um, at this point, they've been treating so many people that their morgue had literally overflowed with the dead. And they're trying, like, one of their, their more pressing needs was trying to find religious leaders so they could bury them uh, because within, uh, in Islamic belief, people need to be buried within, I believe, 24 hours. Uh, and they were quickly running out of time. But as the staff slept, 7,000 feet above them, an AC 130 gunship piloted by the U.S. Air Force circled them. At some point around 2 a.m., it opened fire. You can go ahead and wipe that one off the board, Francis. <laughs> like what? I I don't even. What, how do you how do you fuck that up, man? Like seriously? Oh, I got like news. the one thing that you're not supposed to hit. Don't worry, we investigated ourselves and found out we did nothing wrong. <laughs> of course we did. It gets of course not. It actually gets worse, um, and that's why I'm I'm one of the one of the things I'm arguing with myself with was this. Negligence, incompetence, or on purpose, and that's something we're gonna we're gonna argue at the end. Once we, once I, I I have to roll out all of my evidence. Uh, all right, go for it. So the first thing hit was the ICU, and it immediately vaporized staff and immobile patients. Others were trapped to their beds and burned to death. Other bombs sent shrapnel cartwheeling through the hospital, dismembering anybody who happened to be in its way. People in other wings of the hospital sprang to their feet and ran. But as soon as they got outside, the gunship opened fire on them as well with small arms, sending them fleeing back into the burning hospital where they were continued to be pounded by cannons. Now, for people who are unaware, the AC-130 is a monster of an aircraft. It has 105mm cannon, Gatling guns, auto cannons, and other weapon systems on it. It's staffed by a crew of 14, and that staff used everything it had on board to pour fire into this hospital. MSF staff had a, a, a policy or a procedure if they, uh, like, uh, for evacuation to try to save their patients if they were under attack, but they found that that evacuation was cut off because everybody ran outside would immediately be targeted by smaller weapons from the AC-130. 
Hospital staff also had a procedure where they had to call someone, namely the office in Kabul, to get in contact with the partner militaries to get the attack to stop. So they called a director who was in Kabul, and he was already on the phone begging anybody who would listen, both in the U.S. and Afghan militaries and government, to stop the attack. They both denied anything was taking place. The staff in the hospital made 18 separate attempts to contact either the U.S. and Afghan militaries within the city that went unanswered, despite the fact they're only a half mile away in some cases. When they contacted other elements of the U.S. government, they were told there was no bombing going on in the city at all at the time. Now, some of this is... Which, I mean, I guess was technically I mean, accurate. This is because most AC-130s fall under the uh, Special Operations Command. So they're like, nope, don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, as you... Well, I was also just that, you know, just because, like, it's an AC-130. So, you know, technically we're not bombing them. We're just shooting technically them. Technically so, correct. You know, the best better. kind of correct. Uh, now, the attack went on right. for over an hour. Which is a long time on station for an AC-130 in general, uh, let alone for one target. By the time it was over, the hospital was in ruins. While the surrounding buildings remained entirely untouched, the hospital had been targeted on its own. The hospital's tin roof had been peeled back by explosions in the heat of the fire, and the buildings themselves still burned. In the end, the AC-130 fired 211 shells from its main gun, uh, as well as uncountable uh, shots from other guns. And 42 people had been killed, six of whom refused to their hospital head beds by the heat of the fire that they were trapped in. Now, this is where we get to a play Law and Order War Crime Edition. It's undeniable what happened in the Kunduz hospitals is horrible and unconscionable. But is it technically a war crime? Now, this is where I have to say what is con- considered a war crime in this circumstance. It is my opinion that you cannot commit a war crime on accident. There is no involuntary manslaughter of war crimes. In this situation, if no parties are involved in the if no parties involved in the battle knew the location was a hospital, a war crime had not been committed. Intention is one of the keystones of committing a war crime. This is obviously murder, but was it more? Now, thankfully, the U.S. happens to be the signatory of multiple international treaties that covers. This exact thing, hospital protections during a time of war. One of those things is the 1949 Geneva Convention, uh, Article 19, which says fixed establishments and mobile medical units of the medical service may in no circumstance be attacked, but shall all times be respected and protected by the parties of the conflict. Should they fall into the hands of the adverse party, their personnel shall, shall be free to pursue their duties as long as the capturing power has not itself ensured the necessary care of the wounded and sick found in such establishments and units. So congratulations, Taliban. You follow the Geneva Convention. They literally follow that to a T. Now, Article 21 also says, the protection of this fixed establishment and mobile medical units shall not cease unless they are used to commit outside their humanitarian duties acts harmful to the enemy. Protections may, however, cease only due to warning has been given, naming in all appropriate cases a reasonable time limit after which such warning has been remained unheeded. Article 18 says, Civilian hospitals organized to give care to the sick or wounded, the infirm and maternity cases, may in no circumstances be the object of attack, but shall all times be respected and protected by the parties of the conflict. So, this begs the question, did they purposefully target a hospital? Well, this first part is mostly hearsay. The location of the first impact of the AC-130 strike, according to MSF staff that survived, landed almost directly where they pinned their GPS location that they sent to the U.S. forces. Kind of damning. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, because it's, 
and, and and at that point it's like okay well did did somebody uh you know when they printed it out the gps location in the picture did they try to write you know do not bomb and then somebody wrote a, erase do not just put a big red it x in? through it like, right like no no i meant actually bomb this or or i hate when somebody crosses out an <laughs> initials next to it uh the the do not part uh you know, it just it happens every fucking time. Right. It's, no, it's no, no, no. We meant actually bomb that. No, I know you heard do not, but I w- it was actually do that. Do that bomb is what is what we sent across to the, you. The famous international law principle of opposite <laughs> day. You know, it gets I was you every saying, fucking time. I had my fingers crossed behind my back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was saying... Yeah, I was, I was, I was saying do, <laughs> do not bomb. So not, the, not, there's a lot of hints that everybody that involved in this war knew what this hospital was. Uh, obviously, the Afghan soldiers had already raided the hospital once, but throughout the course of the battle, like when the Taliban was actively in control of it, that hospital remained the main drop-off point for Afghan government casualties. Which so that means they had to know that the Taliban was not in control of the hospital. Um, so there, there's that. Uh, now, but that also would kind of tell you that they wouldn't call it in themselves, like right. the Afghan. The Afghan National Army understood the importance of that hospital, so they wouldn't have it targeted either. And, uh, well, maybe. But, you know, there's also something to be said that, especially in 2015 when this took place, we were not dropping airstrikes at the command of the Afghan National Army. Okay. No fucking I didn't way. Know if we, well, I know not at the command, but at the, you know, hey, we got this intel as a area to hit. That could have been part of it. Um, right. So... We can rest, but I don't think they would do that if they have their own people. And there's what I was getting to. You would imagine not. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I know. I said that out loud, and then I heard it, and I was like, mm, maybe. The- maybe they're still committed to <laughs> Soviet <laughs> doctrine. Who knows? Right. Um, so we can rest our arguments that the Afghan government and militaries absolutely knew the location was an MF- MSF hospital, but the Afghans weren't piloting the AC-130. As far as I know, their air force largely consists of helicopters and small prop planes at various degrees of disrepair. So why is the knowledge of the Afghans important? That brings us to the first of many excuses laid out by American commanding general John Campbell in the wake of the bombings or gunning, whatever. Um, I've been lawyered. Uh, the, the, first, the first explanation is the attacks <laughs> can be disregarded outright and that the hospital was just, quote, collateral damage from other bombings in the area. So for people who are unaware of what that incredibly inhumane word means, that means that they were targeting something else and accidentally shot the hospital. This is a me- Right. It's the, the, w- the oh, we World were- Trade Center 7 building, you know? It just <laughs> it got hit with some things and it fell down. What do you want? Yeah. The, the, yeah. Except. Yeah. You know, we, we were just leveling the entire city and it just happened. There also, was Bush did this too. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> he kind of did. He did kind of. No. Yeah. You're, you're right. You're right. Uh, this is immediately proven false by the physical evidence that the AC-130 did not target any other building, nor was there any splashover damage. The target was clearly the hospital. Now, another explanation put forward by Campbell, and one that he has been sticking with, is that the AC-130 was immediately rushed into the air to support troops in contact in the immediate vicinity of the hospital. Now, if you remember, the hospital was strangely quiet with no combat going on nearby. Uh, this, I mean... The survivors all say that the night was strangely calm and the nearest gunfight sounded like it was on the outskirts of the city. There- or like, even if, I mean, even if it was like, you're telling me you just poured fire into a building for like a solid, you know, 
hour. Like, yeah, what, an hour. Like hour. For, you know, like that, you know, with just like unprompted, no one else around, like you just like decided and you just blew up. You know, you said fuck this one particular building in the middle of the city. I in almost particular. would believe that if the survivors hadn't said like, no, there'd been no fighting around the hospital for days. Uh, if they're like, no, they're like the shit is going sideways everywhere. I'd be like, yeah, the U.S. is so bad at this. We probably would do that. It's not even the first time we've done something like that. Um, right. We're not good at picking targets or wars for that matter. Um, but remember, the survive Generals, presidents. We're not good at military. Congress. Uh, or government, statecraft, we're infrastructure. Not good at things. We're yeah. just not good. Um, but, you know, there, uh, this theory melts in with others as it requires the hospital to be a Taliban fighting position, but also an accidental target. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. We go further down this road to require us to ask other questions. Was the U.S. familiar with the location of the MSF hospital? If you believe the MSF staff, yes, they absolutely were. But I don't want to be accused of only taking one side on this because I'm going to do an investigative journalism here. So good thing the U.S. also left reports about the MSF hospital stretching back weeks before the bombing and all the way up until the bombs fell. Several special forces soldiers operating with the city were under the impression that the hospital had been taken over by the Taliban, with one report saying uh, from one special forces team leader suggesting at least a dozen Taliban fighters, not the unarmed wounded ones that we know were inside, were held up inside of it, along with civilians. They got this uh, from some random Afghan soldiers with no evidence whatsoever. Uh, There's also a belief that the hostel was somehow a command center for some kind of Pakistani Taliban commander who's running the whole offensive in the city from that hospital. There's no evidence for that either. Um, this is the, just... Yeah. That sounds like some solid scuttlebutt. Just like, you know, I heard it from yeah, a guy, I heard it from a guy, I heard it from a guy. Like, it, it, literally, it, it boils <laughs> down to some SF guy heard this from an Afghan soldier. Which, like, not to shit talk the brave soldiers of the Republic of Afghanistan or whatever, but like you would never use that as Intel fucking ever. No, that's, (laughs) and not even like, we'll make fun of, of special forces all day, but like special forces wouldn't run with that either. They would, they'd be like, yeah, man, all right, whatever. And maybe they'd look into it or they'd tell them to fuck off. If anything, they would pass it up and be like, maybe look into this. Like, I can't see special forces calling for an AC 130 based on that alone. What I remember you saying, even like back in uh, your um, Afghan war series with the Soviets, I mean, you know, the the tendency of someone to just say, oh, yeah, no, that guy's, a, you know, that guy's a rebel. And it's just like some dude that he has a beef with in the village. So they drop him out of a helicopter. I mean, that's like a that was a well-documented thing for like a solid, like, you know, 30 to 40 years oh, yeah. at the point and, that this I mean, shit that still off. occurs. Neighbors sell up people they don't like all the time. Right. So this is yeah. what led that special forces report is what led to the joint chief's advisor calling the staff of the hospital and asking, quote, do you have any Taliban holed up inside? Um, to which they said, no, we don't. No armed group of any kind had ever taken over any part of the hospital. The bombing occurred anyway. Uh, so does that mean the AC-130 was operating on bad intelligence? Maybe, but this is important. Even if the Taliban had taken over the hospital, it was still operating as a hospital. And they knew it because Afghan soldiers were routinely being dumped there, wounded and unarmed. That means it's still a war crime under Article 19. That does not make this okay. There there could have been a Taliban fucking flag flying from this hospital. It does not make it legally okay or ethically okay for that matter. Um, 
Now, a small piece of evidence that supports the bad intelligence theory came out via the Afghan government itself, because they honestly can't help themselves. The Interior Ministry confirmed the strikes immediately afterwards, saying, quote, 10 to 15 terrorists were hiding in the hospital. Uh, this number is strangely close to that of the actual number of wounded Taliban fighters that the MSF was caring for, and that the Afghan forces had already shown themselves very comfortable violating human rights in regards to medical care previously in order to get to. So, yeah, I buy that. I, 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 now I'm back around to blaming it on the Afghans. I, I, I doing the, I fully doing, believe doing that both the glow sticks fault. on top of what's that. I fully believe both are are a hundred percent at fault. Um, I don't. I just don't see. I mean, look, America's definitely at fault for like being dumb as shit. I just don't see. Like, I mean, look, call America what you will, but we are a capitalist society. I don't see like why the government, the American government, would be like. Yeah, we need to blow that up to kill 15 wounded Taliban. And this is in 2015, right? Yeah. Like, this isn't height of the war. This isn't 2002, 2003, where we're just leveling everything. This is, like, way, you know, further down the road. when We've already been in, like, you know, 900 peace talks with the Taliban in one way or another. So, like, I just don't see why the government would be like, yeah, we need to just just dump a, an entire AC-130 onto this hospital like there are literally a hundred other buildings if you need to just get your rocks off but it just seems weird why they would do it here so that may, that leans me like because i don't think that the government would do it for no reason in 2015 right that leads me to believe that we're just stupid not malicious I, in this one moment i'm not trust me this is not a you know and that's why the u.s is great just in this one moment i think that we were just fucking stupid instead of fucking evil now i normally would agree with you uh now let me read this next paragraph (laughs) okay next thing (laughs) we're gonna revamp this every time joe says two sentences we're gonna revamp the entire theory go so this begs the question did the crew of the ac-130 know the hospital like we knew the u.s military did in general in some abstract but did the 14 people a crew uh 14 people that made up the crew know the hospital we don't fully know because the DOD refuses to tell anyone. Uh, now, radios uh, board. Sounds sounds good. I mean, normally when you have uh, exonerating material in a uh, you know well publicized international incident, um, if you have you know stuff that tells you that uh, you know you are innocent, you usually don't release that. Yeah, to you got to play uh, those cards close to the, the chest. World. Uh, <laughs> Um, now, normally, yeah. uh, radio traffic is recorded uh, aboard AC-130s for mission purposes, whatever. And it's normally top secret, uh, but those recordings have not been made public to anybody outside a few select people within the government. Though, thankfully, when those people kind of leaked something, uh, what can be gleaned from the recording is that suggested that the AC-130 pilots were very unsure of their target and asked multiple times, I'm pretty sure that's a hospital. Is this legal? And they were they were uh, reassured multiple times by their commander back at base to continue the mission. Yeah, they cool. were they were pretty certain it was a hospital. Um, and admittedly, like I'm not going to hand it to the pilots for not being sure than doing it anyway. Um, it's certain that they couldn't see the um, the 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 visual symbols of a hospital from flying the plane, but the gunners certainly could. Um, because AC-130 sites are world-renowned for being crystal fucking clear. Uh, like, that's why they're made into video games and movies and shit. Like, they could absolutely see this. Um, 
But yeah, they questioned it multiple times. Like, is this a hospital? I'm pretty sure this is a hospital. Um, hey, there's a big fucking cross yeah. on it. Is it a hospital? Or, you know, or like whatever, you know, like, I mean, I don't know if it was like a crescent. It I mean, was a it a cross. crescent or was it's it a cross? It's an internationally recognized symbol for a hospital. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, there's a cross on it. You know, is, is it a hospital? Hey, there, there's a big fucking cross on the thing that I'm shooting. Is it a hospital? I mean, also, you said, like, you know, like, what, it's like 35,000 square feet? Like, we're not talking, like, you know, like a small neighborhood clinic that, you know, like, might have, like, a Red Cross flag, like, flying above it on, like, a small flagpole. You know, like, even at a, you know, at a level of, like, you know, shooting this thing with a fucking minigun, like, you're going to be able to see a pretty apparent reminder of the fact that this is, like, something that is not just, like, a normal and this is a little weirder, even this, um... Like, so AC-130s have, like, email capabilities uh, on board. They can get, like, teletypes and things like that. There's a lot of different ways to quickly communicate with, like, whoever's commanding the overall mission uh, during flight. Like, there's so many different ways that this can happen. Um, well, especially, and you said, like, it's, you know, this is 2015. You know, this isn't even, you know, at the beginning of the conflict right. in, like, you know, 2002. You know, like, the, the communication, you know, system is obviously like going to be a lot different. that... Um, they can get to a target is actually the pilot can just punch in GPS coordinates and takes them directly there, which is what they did. Uh, and the GPS coordinates they were given were to the hospital uh, in, uh, in flight. Their, their original target was supposed to be the nearby office of the National Directorate of Security, which is kind of like the Afghan CIA, which had been taken over by the Taliban. Um, but during the flight, all electronic systems uh, malfunctioned, including essential command and control capabilities, uh, which eliminated the ability of the aircraft to transmit video, send and receive email, and receive any kind of electronic message other than radio traffic. Um, it's funny how that happens. Yeah, and they just can- decided that, hey, we should probably continue the mission. Right. Like we're- I, hate it. I hate it when my body cam turns off right before the, you know, the... Um, you know, my arrestee pulls a gun on me and I have to shoot yeah. him 15 times um, in the back. Now, what, what's interesting is almost immediately, uh, like the G- when the GPS took them to this wrong building, the pilot's like, that doesn't look like the NDS building at all. Um, and the, an internal NATO investigation actually found the air crew did not observe hostile activity whatsoever. Um, yep. Uh, so if there was no hostile activity, why was the hospital bombed? Well, it's because they're answering a fire mission uh, from someone who literally did not understand what a war crime was. Um, and, and I say that because he admitted to it. Um, Major General, uh, so, so sorry, not Major General, Major Abdul Kabir, who is the Afghan air liaison officer who helped co- coordinate airstrikes uh, during this time, requested uh, uh, an airstrike during this particular battle. Uh, during an interview with uh, NATO's internal investiga- investigation, he told the investigator that nobody had briefed government force on specific no strike list uh, in the city, meaning like don't bomb this. Uh, a NATO official who worked with the joint Afghan NATO investigation said that previous rules of engagement did not include a no strike list, but that the item had since been added. Kabir and others said they had no difference to the rules of engagement after the uh, Kunduz airstrike. So. The, literally the guy who could have possibly pulled the trigger on this is excuses. Nobody told me not to do war crimes, so we thought it was cool. 
Um, so they, but but he does understand that it was a war crime. No, he, he does just not. didn't care. Um, okay, he, he now that's his excuse I mean, that he didn't know. Uh, right, but that, yeah, that you that you don't bomb uh, a civilian, and and that's a that's a real glaring problem in the online learning of the Afghan National Army. <laughs> they're not keeping up on their they're not keeping up on their their yearly certificates of uh, law of war and uh, accident avoidance and shit. So. And you know, yeah, it's, that's, it's that's going in NCOER because we're this guy's a major, meaning he was almost certainly trained by either the United States or the UK. A lot of Afghan officers go to Sandhurst. Um, some of them come to the US. So this meant that somehow a major made it through all of this training without ever being briefed even slightly about what the Geneva Conventions are. Don't don't talk as if you're surprised that the United States created a dumb major fair that's like that's fucking half of it. Good Lord. Fair. like we so, i mean our own majors can be dumb as hell like imagine us training a major in a different military that's 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 not on a, that's not uh not a surprise i mean look how, how how well the iraqi army functioned so i mean clearly we're good at this um so i mean Really what this boils down to is that every party involved knew this was a hospital and then bombed it anyway. There's no way around that. Everybody knew this was a hospital. There's no evidence that anybody didn't know it was a hospital. Like the, the closest bit of evidence I could find that anybody didn't know this was a hospital is like, yes, we knew it was a hospital, but we also didn't know it was illegal to blow up. Um, so this is where we, we get to the investigation Right, uh, you know, you're assuming there's an investigation. And NATO did investigate the bombing and found multiple layers of negligence. Uh, I assume this is easy to find due to all of the negligence. Um, one thing they did purposely leave out uh, during their conclusion of, no, no, this happened because we suck at our jobs, is malicious intent, which is a point I find hard, very hard to believe. In short, the U.S. investigated the U.S. and found that we had not done anything bad uh, because we don't do those things. Quite literally, one of the most darkly humorous things I found was a Reuters article headline uh, when the investigation was complete, that this is just what the article's headline was. Quote, U.S. strike on Kunduz hospital, not a war crime, Pentagon. <laughs> like, it, it's like, of course. Of course, that's what it would say. Uh, it, like, this, this reads exactly like when those countless articles, like, local police officer cleared of shooting uh, that killed unarmed black man. We investigated ourselves and found out we did nothing wrong. Uh, now, don't worry, though. Uh, the U.S., you know, we, we, we acknowledge when we do something wrong. So President Obama offered the families of the dead $6,000 as an apology. $6,000, oh, which Fuck. was less than my reenlistment bonus. Like, like to, and I'm guessing oh, that was, per, was no, that per total? Person. That's not, I mean, that's still yeah. bullshit. I mean, even like, even like at a level of like, I mean, you know, when you're doing you know, tort work or, you know, workers comp or other things, you know, you're trying to estimate like lifetime earnings of like an individual, you know, and along with like, you know, uh, you know, uh, small things like, you know, emotional distress and whatever else and the family members and the rest of it, you know, if you're trying to come to some sort of, you know, overall settlement and the idea that, you know, even in Afghanistan that you would offer someone a total of $6,000 for, you know, their, you know, dead, you know, son or father, or brother, or like whatever the fuck else is just like so deep. I mean, I'm insulting. worth a million dead to my only to my wife, though. So, you know, don't get any ideas. Uh, yeah, I know, that's why I've been emailing <laughs> your wife. What's telling is uh, 
altogether, if you count all the money they spent on this, you couldn't even afford like a mid-ranged home in Washington State for how much money that they paid to to try to shut this up. Um, I mean, in fairness, a mid-range home in Washington State is a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, I guess you the know. other the other way is that that's how cheaply we value human life. Uh, and what's in, what's really shocking is like these are white people. <laughs> Um, which is normally what makes people mad is when you kill white people, uh, but not when the U.S. government does it. I guess, <laughs> like you know, normally, like when, whenever we cover war crimes on this um, on the show, I always point out that they're the less than dead, uh, and I mean that because um, the American public generally doesn't care when Americans kill people that look differently than them. Uh, most of the staff of MSF are white people from Europe, and still, shockingly. Nobody seemed to give a fuck. Uh, I guess that's just what happens when you have a weird military cult uh, that like, it even transcends the racism, which is impressive. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen the U.S. transcend its own racism before uh, just to like, give a war crime a pass. Uh, but uh, credit where credit's due. Uh, Obama gave them enough money to buy a shitty used car. So there's that. Uh, you know... Uh, Campbell, the general Campbell that is, blames all of this on human error. You know, like you do when someone shoots up a school or blows up a federal building. Oh, no, you don't, you don't say that when that happens because that's a fucking crazy thing to say. What is murder but a human error with a body count, am I right? Um, now, to this day, the U.S. and Afghan government blame one another but refuse to take part in any independent investigation like the one that MSF has been demanding from the very beginning. Uh, 16 members of the U.S. military were punished for their role uh, in this, but none of them with criminal charges. Uh, according to the New York Times, 12 personnel involved in the strikes were punished with, quote, suspension, removal from command, letters of reprimand, formal counseling, and extensive training. I've seen people be punished harsher for getting a DUI. Um, now, to close on this, I will quote the MSF. Quote, the view from inside the hospital is that this attack was conducted with the purpose to kill and destroy us. We don't know why, but we cannot accept this horrific loss of life will simply be dismissed as collateral damage. And then I have to agree with them. Uh, I, I don't see anything else other than this being a war crime. Um, like it, this, this reads incredibly like, you know, if you crack a book from one of the other wars that we've taken part in, it's like, well, you see, there was a sniper nearby, so that meant putting a sabo into that mosque was completely fine. Um, also, a war crime, but it's like one of those things that we try to explain away with like mechanical failures, or just we we can't possibly yeah. be malicious. We're stupid. Like that's <laughs> what the explanation is. Like that's what I'm mean. like. This could, this couldn't possibly have been a war crime. We're just dumb. Uh, which I think, which like honestly is like even worse. I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, and, you know, not in like a legal sense, but just this idea that, you know, we can level an entire hospital in another country and like, just, you know, like lay waste to like the medical staff and the patients <laughs> and like, you know, you know, pro you know, like additional collateral damage. And we do it not because it was malicious, but rather out of sheer bureaucratic inertia and inability to get out of our own fucking way, like in any circumstance. And like, even when it's, you know, literally a matter of life and death is just such a like. I mean, it's like such an allegory for the way that, the, you know, the federal government ends up functioning like, you know, under, you know, under like kind of a militarized, you know, polity. You know, I mean, look, polity. 
But it's so also, you know. The United States is basically Lenny from Of Mice and Men in this situation. <laughs> but we all, if, if, you're not, if you're not familiar, uh, Lenny was big and dumb and accidentally killed a lady because he's big and dumb. And it's like, you feel sorry for him. But in the end, Lenny still gets shot in the back of the head. He still has to be put down. That's so. normally what we do with war criminals when it's not us. Man, we loved it. We, uh, I saw I saw some more like African warlords got brought up for war crimes of some kind. It's like, man, we we sure do love like throwing those guys in prison and not anybody else ever. Oh yeah, when the uh, ICC wanted to investigate American war crimes in Afghanistan, we simply sanctioned them. Yeah, and and stripped <laughs> their passports, which or yeah. their visas, which is a huge like. Are we the bad guys moment? Like and, and like admittedly, there is something to be said about the ICC being, I would say, unfairly criticized for being racist. Um, mostly because the ICC was formed rather recently, and most conflicts during its existence have been in Africa. Though, I mean, we'll see what happens in regards to Syria and you know, uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, and what have you. But like they certainly tried to break that by literally investigating the entire United States military. Uh, but like, and, but it, it's important to point out that the U S isn't actually a signatory to the ICC. Uh, but that doesn't, in my opinion, that doesn't mean that they should be independent of its jurisdiction because like they're sanctioned by the UN, <laughs> uh, which we are a member of, but you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, uh, crimes against humanity for thee, not for me, which is the darkest way I've ever heard anybody use that term. Because, uh, like, if this was <laughs> any other nation, you know, like post World War II, when, you know, this is absolutely something that, like, uh, well, we would have done this in World War II as well because we did all sorts of war crimes then too, but we won, so it's different. Uh, that, like, we would have used a half drunken idiot from Nebraska or wherever that hangman was from to fuck up the execution of General Campbell or whatever. Like, we would have done that um, because he was German or whatever, or more likely Japanese because we let a lot of Germans go as long as they were useful to us. But, um, you know, it's since it's us. It's a whoopsie, whoopsie doodle. We 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 did a a, a crime against humanity. Um, anyway, uh, let's pay attention to our esports team, um, which is a- so funny. Story I found out, which it, which is also accidentally uh, endorsing I found out left, right, and that the game that I stream on this podcast stream uh, called Squad now has an official U.S. Army esports server. So guess what I'm doing later. Uh, but francis shocks we do a thing on the show called questions from the legion and i figure i should bring some levity to this awful terrible fucking episode Um, (laughs) and uh, that is what is your least favorite vet bro guy like you know we have types of guys we talk about all the time uh not necessarily like who's the most malicious because obviously those are all the weird three per guys who end up you know blowing up federal buildings or shooting up high schools or whatever, but like who's your personal least favorite that just irks you in an interesting way. I got, I got a buddy who all he ever wants to talk about is our time in the army. And like he and I never even deployed together. We've done a couple of trainings and whatnot. I love him to death, but like he always just wants to talk. And that, that vet guy who like when you meet somebody and you talk about the army for a minute, but like they don't talk about anything else. And you're like, you were in for like, 
10 years, man. Do you not have a personality outside of this? <laughs> that's just like, that's, that's my, that's my most annoying vet bro. My most annoying vet bro is the one that almost I, gets it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I guess, uh, Pete Buttigieg is to bring him up for the upteenth time whenever we record together, uh, whenever he's talking about like, uh, uh, assault weapons in the United States, like weapons of war don't belong on the streets of the United States. Like, motherfucker, they don't belong in Kabul either. Like, <laughs> uh, like the ones that are like vehemently <laughs> against uh, like any kind of uh, of anything stateside, and they're like, well, in Afghanistan, we wouldn't be able to get away with that. Or like, you know, like they they, they compare like cops to to soldiers, uh, like ROE. Because, like, they know they're doing that in bad taste, but they know that it appeals to people in a unique way. Like, well, I've been conditioned to respect soldiers, but also we all know someone who absolutely would have fucking killed someone if they could have got away with it. Like, you're, you're almost there, dude. You're so close, and it's so aggravating because if you just took your head <laughs> out of your own fucking ass for a second, you'd get it, but you won't. And instead, you'll turn to Amy yeah. McGrath or something. <laughs> Um, my, my least favorite vet bro is the, like, and I can't think of any other term for it, but it's like the LinkedIn vet bro. And I don't mean that in the way that like, you know, where you have like a, you know, field grade officer who's talking about how he's good at like running large teams, (laughs) but I just mean like anyone who's like the kind of guy who, and, and I only say this because I experienced a few of them in law school and I know that like they're out there, but where, you know, they just kind of have this weird chip on their shoulder because they ever served. And like, normally they served as officers. Like, you know, they, they, you know, so they, it's kind of like this carryover, like kind of, uh, like bravado, but it's, it's, they kind of like have that, um, you know, carry over all the bullshit from military life into that, like LinkedIn, like, you know, listen to a podcast at two times speed, you know, I hired a guy because he stopped on the way and like, you know, uh, did chest compressions on an old lady who was having a heart attack. Sort Those of are post. the guys that also like, always write the like 10 things being an officer in the army taught me about business leadership. Uh, right. It's like, yeah. and they're, they're all, they're and, all stupid little war stories. Every one of them. Oh, God, I hate it. And, and, and like they all, you know, and they all end up like getting a master's degree at like some program and like everyone like, you know, kisses their fucking ass because they like, you know, made a lot of PowerPoint presentations while like sitting. This down is what getting yeah, blown up by yeah. some rando taught me about and, disrupting like, the economy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I would, I would describe it and like, you know, and I say this even after he was my congressman, but like, you know, and I met him in person, he's not a bad guy, but like the kind of set for lack of a better term, the Seth Moulton veteran, like where you like, you're parlaying that shit into like a political career or like a job at some like, you know, at like Raytheon or like some other Fortune 500 company. Those guys just like, you know, they're kind of like on the other side of the guy who almost gets it. They're the guy who could probably could get it, but they choose not to because they just decide that, you know, the payday is so good and they'd rather go down that I hate path. that guy. I think that, that guy is like that's ethically the, guy that the worst one we talked about. Like for sure. That's the, that's the type of guy who ends up yeah, like the general like, officer who got in an argument with me about generals working for security contractors. Like you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> or, uh, there's that like, the, there's that fucking like shitbag uh, Air Force officer who like works for. It's not like Tom Cotton, but he's like one of like I don't know Ted Cruz or Mitch McConnell, like one of those sorts of fucking guys. And uh, 
you know, like all those sorts of guys where they just like end up on some congressional staff and like, you know, have their like little dual flag, like American flag and service flag pin that they wear on their suit all the time. Like those guys are just like, it just, yeah. Like you can like viscerally shudder at those. I mean, that's Eric Greitens, you know, or, or Duncan Hunter, that kind of, yeah. Or, or even, you know, Tammy Duckworth, you know, I'm not going to just shit on the, the, the ones on the right. It's always just like leaning on that veteran thing. It's just tiresome. And then other veterans like think that you're supposed to be into that and just no, yeah. not, I know I didn't like the army that much in a lot of ways. In some ways it was cool and I have some cool stories, but I also have a garden and a kid and a store. Like I, I have other things going on now. <laughs> I don't was that or that uh I mean, you know, this is like a topic for another time, but that like fucking cringeworthy like Avengers like oh, GOP fuck. congressman ad yeah, that I came out a couple days already. ago. Like all of the everyone who looks at that and it is like, you know, and it like makes him like have a semi, all yeah, those fucking assholes are just the, the, the worst type of kind guy of fucking that really veterans. thought that was cool is actually uh, an addendum type of guy I want to bring into this, and that's the rise and grind veteran. Like he probably <laughs> he probably has a twenty two a day shirt. And he was the most toxic motherfucking asshole that you worked with. Like, a great example is this guy named Derek Wieda. Are you familiar with him? No. He's an, ep- he's an epic bacon beard guy. No. He, like, he lost his leg in Iraq or something. I'm not entirely sure what happened. Um, and he was one of those making fun of snowflakes things. Um, uh, uh, like, yeah, you, he, he's a, he was a Ben Shapiro type when it's like you were too worried about your own feelings, but he didn't have the mental wherewithal to actually make an argument. Um, and like he made fun of people who had like mental disabilities for being upset when people made fun of them because he lost his leg and he's not mad about people making, I don't know, disability jokes or whatever. Uh, and he did like all these 22 a day things. And then he, uh, attempted suicide and like, obviously that's not like a punchline, but also you've just been making fun of people with mental health problems all this time. Sometimes, Sometimes it's a cry for help. Yeah, and like you know, it's it absolutely is. But that's like why like these like without without a without a exception. When I had a Facebook, which I no longer do, um, I finally separated myself from that. Every single person that I that was still on my friends list from when I was in the military that was wearing like those twenty two a day um, bracelets or shirts or whatever were the biggest fucking assholes that I yeah. personally knew. While I was in, when I was trying to get help and stuff like that, it's like, oh, interesting that you care now for the fucking clout, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, they're really into kettlebells and shit too. Like, I fucking hate them so much. <laughs> what is it with kettlebells, man? But that's uh, we can yeah. we could do an entire episode on, on veteran yeah. on veteran guys. Uh, and <laughs> it, yeah, I have like another like four or five right. right now that I can think we'll, of that I like. We'll I'm write like them. Ready we'll write for. them all down and we'll we'll do a podcast about it. Fuck yeah, let's do it. Um, we'll do it next week. But uh, again, <laughs> thanks for joining me on this fucking downer episode. I'll try to make a better one for next time. Um, uh, like, cause it, you know, this show we we vacillate wildly between like talking about seven hours of of of, of war history. But then we'll talk about something awful like this. And I had to bring you guys with me on that roller coaster that I normally put Nick through. Um, and just like, so now you know how he feels at the end of all of our recording sessions. 
Does this mean we get to like the man like a like a cuddly animal episode? That is like true. And does? I am working on doing another one of those. So if anybody's listening and you have a cuddly animal, they don't necessarily have to be a cuddly animal. It could be like one that killed people too. But animals are cooler than people in general. <laughs> so like, do that. That's fine. <laughs> uh, you can send them to me. Uh, we now have a email that I'll put in the show notes because I can't remember what it is. But you can also DM us or Patreon message us. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I'm a professional and not a hack and a fraud, but. <laughs> email us the location yes, of your uh, hospital I painted a red cross on top of my house to make sure that I get bombed from the next flight that leaves Pearl Harbor um, so uh, email that uh, email that hotmail account uh, tell them where Bin Laden is fuck yeah uh, I need a polio vaccine while I'm at it um, <laughs> uh, thank you for joining me uh, you can find Francis's show at hell of a way to die you already probably already know that if you don't welcome to the first episode of the show that you've listened to um but <laughs> until next time everybody uh don't don't join the air force i don't know <laughs> don't shoot a hospital don't, don't blow up a hospital don't blow up hospitals yeah, don't, don't war crime <laughs>